Hello, everybody. Um, welcome to the London Rep podcast. My name is Leafia Darko. I am the founder and artistic director of the London Rep. We are a production company that makes work for the stage and screen. And our specialism is that we make period pieces that center the stories of people of color across 2000 years of European history. Um, we're also really passionate about um, roles that are three dimensional for women. Um, telling working class stories is really important to us and also accurate representation and a variety of representation in terms of regional dialects, which um, we don't feel we see enough. Um, so our episode today um, is going to be with Stefan Donnelly, who is a Guildhall graduate and an actor at the Shakespeare's Globe. Um, and he set up his own theatre company called Invertigo. And with that theatre company, he makes work in both the English and the Welsh language. So we chat to him a bit about how he got started, his experience at drama school, um, what inspired him to start making the work that he felt he, he didn't see yet and um, what it's like to, to make a show in two languages and to, to have two mother tongues. I also chat a bit about my time at RADA and about certain barriers and obstacles I face to getting into the arts, particularly theatre and classical acting um, and drama school as a working class female of colour. And um, then, yeah, Steph and I chat a bit about different training options out there if drama school doesn't feel right for you. Um, so yeah, hope you enjoy. Stefan Donnelly. Hey. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for agreeing to do the London Rep podcast. Such it's lovely pleasure. to have you. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's nice so to be sitting here as well. I know. We've like Playhouse. snuck into the Sam Wanamaker Playhouse. Yeah. It's all quiet and really chocolate box looking it is which is what we love about it we're just think. admiring the, the sort of weird and wonderful decor <laughs> yes <laughs> trying to see if we can spot any familiar faces in the angels yeah or there's like angels painted on the roof i should contextualize that <laughs> <laughs> it sounds weird on the ceiling i mean and it's like do we recognize any of the, <laughs> the faces from the globe stuff anyway well, um, listening, you should google the space and then yes you know then you'll know about. exactly google image <laughs> d you know back us up um yeah, we're doing an episode today on, well, Welsh characters in Shakespeare and being Welsh and a writer and an all-round incredibly talented individual in oh. an industry where if you're coming up, you might not see a lot of people from your background if you are a Welsh language speaker. Um, because what we're all about um, with the London Rep podcast is sort of providing a space for people who do not necessarily see themselves uh, represented um, in traditional media, sort of as it is today. So yeah, thank you for coming and having a chat with us about that. Mm. Um, I wanted to start by being, being like really clever and like saying hello in Welsh, but then I thought I'm gonna like completely mispronounce it. So I think I'll have you <laughs> tell me how about that. <laughs> you tell me how to say well, hello in Welsh and we can then. You could have tried it because actually, really, <laughs> the easiest way of saying hello in Welsh is to it, say hello. Hello. Is hello, it? yeah. Hello. 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 That's hello. what I say. There yeah. we go. <laughs> but then people in the South might say shumai, which shumai. technically sort of means how's it going. Um, so there are lots of different hellos as we have okay. in English as well. Um, but yeah, hello or sidwiti, how are you? Um, yeah, that would okay. be my bit of Welsh. So I'm going to like hyphenate them and be like, hello, shumai, 
Shaluti. That's great. You got it. Oh my yes. God. We should do a podcast Winning. of Learning Welsh. Learning Welsh. Um, I wanted to ask you, first of all, mm. yeah, how and why did you become an actor? Um, what was... I don't know exactly where you're from in Wales either. I I'm from Llamau Pwysgwyngyll, go gerech yn Droblsant Silio Gogoch. Oh, the one with the really long name. Really long name. A tiny little village on the south uh, coast-ish of Anglesey, which is the island up at ah. the top. Um, and actually that thing of, you know, there are actually quite a lot of uh, Welsh actors. Like obviously mm. there's the people we know about, like, um, uh, you know, Burton, yeah. <laughs> people like Hugh Griffith, yes. uh, who won an Academy Award. Yeah. Anthony and Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins, yeah. of course, yeah, yeah Matthew Rees. So there, so yeah. there are, there's quite there's a, a big contingent, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess it's, it's interesting how um, it means that often those people tend to work in English. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But actually within Wales, there is also uh, the Welsh TV channel, S4C, mm-hmm. which does loads of programmes in Welsh. Uh, and there's also the Welsh language National Theatre of Wales, as well as the NTW, um, which we might know a bit more about right, here. Okay, in London. yeah, cool. Um, so it's an interest. There is there is quite a lot of activity, um, but uh, but but I guess yeah, that thing of how I got into it, there there wasn't actually that much activity in rural North Wales, <laughs> but there was a, a, a drama group, like an amateur drama group called Adlib, uh, and me and my sister and my brother. Went to that, as so probably some of my parents were like, "Yeah, you can just go there for two hours on a Saturday morning, give us a bit of peace." Um, and it was just in this town hall, and we would just, you know, go to old people's homes every Christmas mm. and like sing carols and stuff. And that was kind of it, to be honest. Like we, I did GCSE drama, which wasn't particularly like exciting. Oh, but yeah. yeah, I think it really yeah. depends on the school because some mates of mine like they have really, really great. It. Yeah, people who really care. I think. I think you'd need that, like a teacher mm. who's passionate about it and, and who wants you to go mm. on. Because I remember, I think, I even mentioned to some teacher, like, I got into Guildhall, which is mm. where I then applied, and they were like, what is that? You know, like, oh. <laughs> but they taught drama. Yeah. That's so funny. Like, yeah. I d- so I, when I was younger, I did a lot of music, and I really disliked the GCSE and A-level music courses. Really? Yeah. We so had loads of recorders, like <laughs> smelly recorders. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that was a bit more in primary school. Primary but school, smelly. Rec- yeah, they sort of. When we were in primary school, they did weird disinfectant things oh, with the yeah. recorders. Yeah. I was never quite comfortable with them, though. No. I didn't quite <laughs> trust them. Anyway, we digress. Yes. I, I think what I meant to be like is, did you feel when you were, like, as a professional looking back, mm. did you feel that the is the GCSE drama course has anything to do with maybe what acting is? for you now as a professional or is I mean, it hard to say like that sense of play that me basically me and a mate and another mate Natalie Olwen and me we got together in that class and sort of just improvised loads and sort of basically pissed about when mm-hmm. we had those like two hours of whatever we were supposed to be doing like reading a doll's house together <laughs> and and that was actually really fun and we sort mm. of took that to all sorts of levels where we like got detention because of it and stuff mm. you know we were like we were basically like, I suppose, just playing about and being quite bad. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something that I think is quite worthwhile having mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. that we're doing, you know, like this year that we're both on yeah, at the Globe. Yeah, this is true. We're doing the Globe Ensemble. It's a year of working through seven plays with just 10 actors. Yeah. And like that sense of play, partly mm-hmm. because we're playing so many different characters. Yes. And just because we need to get to know each other and and risk in front of each other, yeah. Um, I suppose that's quite important. But yeah, I don't really have a road to Damascus like moment in terms of 
uh, something I really <laughs> kept. Yeah, yeah, you know, like this made me. Like I saw. I, it, I love was there a light bulb? Do. A light bulb that appeared above your head, and you went, oh. <laughs> some people really do have those stories, yes. and I feel like I should make one up. Some it's like so scandalous, funny. crazy one. Um, but yeah, that's sort of how I got into, it. and then got into Guildhall, and then did three years there, mm -hmm. uh, and then. Yeah, got got one of my first jobs at Theatre Cluid, to so back in oh, Wales, cool. which is really nice. Uh, in the Winslow Boy. Oh, that's so no, that was an, that's in English, isn't it? That's in yeah. English. Yeah. yeah in terms nice of book. Welsh language stuff, I've done, I've been seen for a few like TV things in Welsh language. Um, I guess yeah, and and then a lot of it's been my own work mm. within Vertigo. Mm. Um, uh, but I guess we'll get onto that. Yeah. Yeah. Next question. Yeah, how did you find the drama school experience? as a Welsh language speaker and obviously you also speak English um, but I'm sort of curious as someone who um, I mean there were complications being a person of colour that uh -huh. sometimes arose just because the canon is so much it's such a concrete or it's perceived to be a concrete thing like it's perceived to be what it is and sort of sometimes trying to work within that when it's not written with you in mind can be mm. quite challenging. Mm. Um, and I know that from being an ethnic minority. So I'm just wondering what I, I never experienced it as from a linguistic standpoint. So one mm. thing um, I did have is going, oh, well, this is in at least in my mother tongue, in my native language. And if you've got a different mother tongue or you're your bilingual and you've got two mother tongues and all the teaching is in one, especially if like what you're learning is about expressing yourself. Mm. Um, like, yeah, how, how was that? I think the first thing to say is that like the struggle that you describe, I think is quite different. Mm. And obviously being a white guy, mm. I think there's a huge amount of privilege that comes with mm. that, that I fully, you know, uh, um, understand and recognize. But then from a linguistic perspective, it, it, that is actually quite interesting because like, I guess one of the key things that people think of when they look at like the Welsh accent, I suppose, mm. before even we get into language, yeah. is that it's funny because it's got yes, that like rolling, right. oh, doo -doo, doo -doo, yeah. you know, and, and so I think you often get cast in the comedy roles, mm -hmm. I think. At Guildhall, there was actually another guy, Sean Allen Davis, who's mm -hmm. an actor who has gone on to do a lot of Welsh language TV, right. which now do a lot of back-to-back -back filming in English, um, right. so a bit oh, like I Hinterland, see. you know, that really okay, kicked that yeah. off. So they'll actually shoot a scene in Welsh, then shoot it exactly the same in English, and then move on. Oh, so wow. it's it's kind of yeah. crazy. But now he's on season two of of doing it. He's like, he's sort of got into the swing of that. But that was quite nice to have someone who actually came from a very different background to me in terms of like, I mean, cultural background mm -hmm. in the sense like he had been very involved in like the Welsh language scene growing up. Um, so it was quite interesting for us to compare and contrast like those kind of almost the the road to Damascus is mm. that we we had you know they were both quite different and looking through different angles at what theatre is and he'd certainly done a lot more Welsh language stuff um, so that was quite nice and actually then a student in the year below was also Welsh and there was a bit of a tradition at Guildhall <laughs> so the student uh, above us she gave us a Welsh flag oh. 
me and Sean that we shared across the year in our lockers <laughs> and then we handed it yeah we had to share it <laughs> so cute. Um, and then we handed it down to the student in the year below us Aww. so presumably at Gildor if there is there's still a a, at least somewhere. one Welsh person in each year <laughs> there's a Welsh flag in someone's locker right now um, so I that sense of like idea. bonding is quite nice yeah yeah and in terms of the material mm. did you like or would you did you just go in and be like well, I mean, I've just signed up for three years to do something in the English language and then I'll use the tools to do what I want when I leave. And is that how you approached it and sort of thinking if if there's someone who was like who you were like mm. five years ago or something like what, yeah. what, what might give them sort of, um, yeah, give them a way of. Of, of navigating things. I don't know if that's possible. I think everyone's mm. experiences are so, is so different, but if yeah. that makes sense. Well, I did sign up to it thinking, you know, th this is three years at a really prestigious place and I've got to make the most of it mm -hmm. because also I didn't get into many drama schools mm. um, and this was definitely like the, the top in mm. inverted commas, you know, like mm -hmm. in terms of the research that I'd done and the people, of course, who've mm -hmm. left from there, like Tracy Van's a bit mm -hmm. of a hero of mine who <laughs> went there. Um, and I guess it's kind of, important to throw yourself into it but then I certainly did feel that there were certain classes I enjoyed more than others there were certain like tastes that would come into the room like we all had quite different mm -hmm. tastes as the year went on but in a way the training can sometimes feel like it's trying to homogenize taste or mm -hmm. homogenize like and I guess that's why yeah. we set up our theatre company because we wanted us four students mm -hmm. uh, within the class wanted to sort of create our own stuff because there wasn't really that much of a whiff of like what we could bring to tell our kind of stories in our kind of way mm. um, and I guess a good example of, of that sort of homogenization that can sometimes happen which I think is changing a lot like the culture of drama school I think since yeah. I've left it's going through a lot the yeah. but the, the example is is the accent thing you know mm. like it's about trying to get like a perfect RP you know there are <laughs> lessons <laughs> yeah, that, and that, that does now a feel a little bit old thing. school yeah, yeah that you was know? I, I'm almost two years out. Maybe I'm like 22 months out or something. But when I was at drama school, yeah, RP was the yeah. thing. That was, that, it was, I have to say by the time I was there, it wasn't about get rid of your accent and do RP no. only. It was more like the, the facts of the industry are there, there are, there are people that prefer things done yeah. in what they consider a neutral accent. They, that for them is a certain type of RP. So yeah. if you learn that, you'll always have it and then you need never use it and you, you should always keep your native dialect, but it's just there if you want it. So it had yeah. gotten to that stage, but we did learn it. Yeah. Um, but I think apparently it used to be maybe a few decades ago, get rid of your, your dialect to do RP. I think there um, is a book called Get Rid of Your Accent, which <laughs> oh, I think wow. I bought. Like, that I feels like a really violent <laughs> thing to suggest to someone, doesn't rude. it? Because, yeah, it, yeah. yeah the, the, your accent always is tied up with so many other things. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but I think when I got into drama school, like the, that process was quite difficult because I hadn't really experienced anything in that way other than like job interviews, mm. I guess. Mm. <laughs> but that's like... Oh. It's like a quite an intense job it's, interview, really. It's though, so school. crazy. It's I remember running around at the Guildhall one for about 10 minutes with Danny McGraw, the amazing head of movement there, and when, um, Wendy Olner, and they were just like beating a drum and I was just running in a circle. And I remember thinking like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> and also, what are they looking for? Like, I'm literally so running funny. in a circle for yeah. about three minutes. Was this in the audition? Yeah, I auditioned in the, the second round, I think. I, think. I, I got to the last round and didn't get into the year group that you oh, auditioned. Yeah. Um, and remember being like pastor at one point or something. 
Yes. They're all, but they all yeah. look like slightly crazy. Yeah, and, and I think that that's to the, test your sort yeah. of imagination. Which I could sort of get really behind those. I could be like, okay, you want, you, you want to see where yeah, we can go with it. Literally. But just the running, partly because I hate PE, yeah. but also just because it went on and on. Like, that's so funny. I was thinking, like, what should I do differently? Should yeah. I like, raise my arms more? <laughs> should I do bigger strides? That's so funny. At Rada, we had to like, run across a room and just keep running back and forth mm. across the room and getting direct, no, yeah. no, no, run. And I'm like, I am, I'm in my head, I'm thinking, I am running, I am yeah, running, like, yeah. what could I do? And, so, I, and I don't know, that was the year I didn't get into Guildhall and I got into Rada and I don't know why. I think mm. my running was probably as catastrophic at both <laughs> yeah, at places. Time. I don't know, I don't know what, what, what clinched it for me. Yeah, um. <laughs> I suppose like all those weird things, that's like something that if someone was about to embark on it, it's sort of, quite fun to experience and to not see those things as scary things yeah. like I remember being really scared of the process obviously but once you're sort of in it and once you do quite a few of them um you kind of I don't know you kind of just yeah. feel like okay well this is just something this is just what it is yeah and it's sort of I think if I look back now at a tape of me moving then I'd have probably gone all oh, that's as I used my body in an an odd way just because I hadn't explored how yeah. to move yet or whatever yeah but yeah. I'd also say that there's, a, yeah, I do agree with that thing. Mm. Like my body's changed totally. Like I had such a slouch and now they, uh, you know, <laughs> it's amazing. Now I'm really six foot one. Yeah. You gained um, RP, you lost yeah. your slouch. Yeah, exactly. It's, I'm a new it's man. It's a miracle. <laughs> but then there are lots of other ways of training, like not training yeah, at all. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, like Jodie Comer won oh, a BAFTA last week. I love her yeah. so much. Being, I don't know her. Well, she's an example of someone who didn't go to drama school and grew up in Liverpool, I think still lives in Liverpool. It's just important to remember, I guess, that within all this talk, because both of us have gone to, you've gone to Rada, I've gone to Guildhall, and it's helped us a lot. But actually, it's just important to remind ourselves and others that there's lots of other routes. The National Youth Theatre Rep is another example, really amazing. Funny enough, like I went to drama school because I kept trying to get involved in things and I kept sort of being the community participant rather than an actor mm -hmm. which i think was part of a complicated thing where people wanted diversity in the building but uh. to get the first i found that if i if i went to be involved it was always a sort of you haven't trained so come do the free thing and it was great uh. and i got a lot of experience but i was like how do i get on the payroll yeah. and so to get in to get into the cast of a thing, the sort of thing I wanted to do, mm. I had to go train to do to do that. That, but maybe that now even that would be slightly different. Maybe like because this was mm. 2010, 2011, 2012, and I just thought it's great doing as things as a community participant. But you know, um, yeah, I felt I felt it was mm. a class and an ethnicity thing mm. that it was I was seen as as the youth group sort of outreach yeah. person instead yeah. of an actor whose first job it was and so mm. for me it was a case of and I got I was lucky I got funding and I worked my way through whatever but that's that's how I ended up at RADA which now kind of you're right to mention it because it does I feel like maybe put people off thinking oh you have to go to RADA do it um, yeah but no I agree there are many ways and conversely for me that was just the only way I could think of to, to get taken seriously as a, a working class female of color mm, mm. um but yeah slowly things are changing i think yeah i mean yeah because when you do look at the success of the nyt rep which was such a gamble mm. when they first launched yeah. it maybe three four five even years ago yeah something like there's such a diverse group and and the successes that so many of them have had yeah, already very quickly as well, right? yeah yeah um 
But I guess that is still like a nine month sort of training thing. Mm -hmm. um, so it's interesting that still, I suppose, holds some sort of like certificate in your hand that you've done this thing. Mm. But it is very different, I think, to drama school. It's very mm. more like practical based work. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're basically working towards putting on these shows in the West End. Mm. Um, and you're bringing a lot of you to it, which yeah. I really like that ethos. Yeah. Let's talk about In Vertigo. Uh -huh. Your theatre company, yeah. you mentioned it a bit earlier, um, and yeah, you said that it arose maybe out of some of the things that you'd wanted to explore at drama school, but didn't necessarily feel you could at that point. So yeah, talk to me about how, how you did that. And yeah, that's how it yeah. started originally, the four of us sort of feeling a bit frustrated, I think. So in the middle of rehearsing for Nicholas Nickleby, at <laughs> well. uh, third year, yep. Uh, we were also like making our own show, and we did it. At, it was sort of a bit of a disaster. Like we were supposed to have a Q and A after it, <laughs> and we just cancelled the Q and A because we just did it, did the bows, and we're like, oh my god, that was shit. Um, so and then we like literally stumbled on and said the Q and A has been cancelled. <laughs> oh dear. But actually, it was such, it was so silly of us to do that. I suppose like you know we were. We were much younger and this was all new and mm. we were sort of scared of putting our own stuff out there mm. and claiming it as ours and, and sharing the story but actually afterwards in the foyer loads of people had loads of questions and yeah of course it wasn't the best piece of writing ever or whatever mm. but um but that's sort of not what's important and you know i mentioned jodie Comer winning a bafta last week like that's all brilliant and um and i genuinely i mean that in what i said about all of that but also it's important for us not to get distracted by those things like mm. i think there was a feeling with the company in the beginning that i had to like win loads of awards and like become this like brilliant company straight away mm. and that's something that i think we always face as actors now in the industry mm. where we're sort of always faced with this thing of like how do you climb up the career ladder yeah. and sometimes it's okay to just be focusing on your thing practice. just quietly getting on with what you want to get on with and yeah as long as you're developing something like be that your own craft or your own ideas or your way of working with a group or ticking off seven Shakespeare plays this year that you <laughs> know, know, doing, right? you know, if you're geeking out on Shakespeare that might be something <laughs> you, you've chosen this to do for so yeah and I think I just always think that that's quite important I suppose that's a bit of advice to give yeah like, to not always worry about those bigger things but having said that we then did win this award which gave us a 10 grand seed fund amazing and it was from that we took a show to edinburgh congratulations uh, yeah, yeah. It was, that was back in 2013 now goodness so you're quite a mature company now in i guess in for like six like, years in the running yeah, yeah i mean that's 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 brilliant that's like you're a successful company yeah doing we've your thing at least one show every year Mm -hmm. And we've branched out, like last year we did um, a Wales China Festival, which is the inaugural festival of its kind. Mm. Um, wow, grouping a like Wales China Festival. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that sounds fantastic. It's, it was really interesting to work with um, the local Chinese community and also the local um, um, uh, artists who were involved in this building called Pontio, which is where Invertigo are associate company. Mm -hmm. um, so actually, over the last three and a bit years, a lot of our work has been focused on Wales, mm -hmm. um, partly because I'm, I'm from there and I want to create work for yeah. the people of Wales, but also because of this associate relationship, it means that they gave us a lot of support, a lot of free rehearsal space, and we co-produced stuff with them, including this festival. Um, and it was, it was great. And then we've taken our work internationally for the first time two years ago to India, and then it went again this January to India. And it goes next year to Japan. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, as part of cool. the British Council UK Japan Season of Culture. 
So we're like growing in our own way. No, really you're nice. growing yeah. in, I think, quite a, an amazing way. Oh, yeah, that's, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah. That's so cool. It's um, like it's doing it in amongst being an actor. So it's like yeah. you're, you're juggling quite a few things, I guess. And with your um, Welsh language writing, mm -hmm. um, yeah, how, how, are, how are you doing that? Are you doing that as in you're writing entirely in Welsh for some projects and entirely in English for others? Or is it both languages exist in a in, in a single project or is, like how, how does that manifest itself? Our third show that we ever did in 2013 was a Welsh language play by essentially like the Welsh Pinter called okay. Gwendolyn Parry mm -hmm. uh, and we did it at the Fimbra on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday slot Oh, cool! Uh, for three weeks or something mm -hmm. and exclusively just did it in London with English subtitles oh, and it wow. sold out oh, I mean, that's Fimbra's brilliant. only 50 seats but no, it did but sell great. out which was kind of cool. That's great, cool and people came to see it as I suppose this slightly exotic thing but also <laughs> a lot of London Welsh came yeah, to see yeah, it. Yeah, of like course. There's a London Welsh Centre for example so we mm. were like marketing through them um, and so there is a contingent, you know, who live here and who actively either want to learn the language yeah. or just want to bathe in the language yeah, for a couple of hours. see themselves represented. Or yeah, see, yeah, yeah course, or just know course. the language, exactly. Yeah. I, want, I want to a, a taste of that. Like my brother at the moment, he just went online and bought like three Welsh language books because he was like, God, I've lived in London now for 10 years and my Welsh is getting worse. You know, I can feel it <laughs> slipping away from me. practice. Yeah, you yeah. need to keep the vocabulary in, of course, mm. like any language, you know. Mm. Um, so yeah, that happened, and then we produced another of his plays, which toured Wales and then went to the Arcola, again, all yeah. with subtitles, and that was in a bid to try and help people learn Welsh as well. Mm. About 19% of the population at the moment speak it, um, but by 2050, the Welsh Government want a million speakers of Welsh, of Welsh yeah. Amazing. And so there's a big bid to try and like find out ways of doing that, including a controversial decision to uh, only teach Welsh as a first language in schools in Wales, right? Rather yeah. than how you might be taught French, yeah. like you know. With yes, as like stuff. as it's like a modern foreign language, but exactly. it's not. It's the indigenous tongue. I yeah. Guess. yeah, yeah, it'll, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that pans out. I, I, you know, I hope, I hope it'll it'll be a pleasant experience. I mean, mm -hmm. it'll be a difficult experience for some students, but the idea is that that the language can grow and therefore mm. the culture can, yeah. can keep evolving with the young people, you mm. know. Um, I've gone off on a tangent, but that's no, like... No, that's great. The other um, thing, I guess, is that we did a bilingual piece called My Body Welsh, and that's the one that's doing a lot of international stuff at the moment. Great. And okay. So that doesn't have any subtitles. Mm -hmm. And when the Welsh happens, you're just kind of expected... To just to go... Right? Yeah, Welsh go is with happening it in now. Good. Way. Yeah. 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 And I guess it kind of reflects Welsh culture at the moment like mm. if you're living in Wales for example and you only speak English then there is a part of Welsh culture or Welsh identity that you can't access because you don't speak the language yes. so in a way it's like a microcosm of that in the theatre like there is a bit of this story that you won't totally get mm -hmm. um, but neither is it a bit of the story that's like super integral to understand <laughs> it, you know? so we, we've tried to be Trying careful to with of, it it's been yeah. difficult yeah but no. we've tried to sort of navigate that um, and it's a lot about like myth making and what is culture generally not I mean specifically Celtic or Welsh culture mm -hmm. uh, because it's a story of a young boy growing up in Wales but it also has big questions about like the myths we tell ourselves about I suppose Britain about Brexit about mm. it never mentions the B word in it <laughs> it's like a sort you could look at it as a metaphor yeah, yeah. amazing that sounds amazing it is I really, really cool so I'm really proud you of it you have to like let me know if it's 
if you do it yeah again, yeah well it would be nice to bring it to london and yeah. actually one of the things that tara robinson and i met here actually working at the globe and she and i co-wrote it she directed it i'm mm. in it and jordan mallory skinner does live soundscaping with me on stage amazing um and with the audience actually we can Ooh. create a choir with the audience oh cool uh, yeah and it's I'm not, not awkward audience more. interaction it's not it's not like spotlight <laughs> make promise. a sound i promise <laughs> okay. it's not that awful I take thing yeah um, <laughs> and uh yeah so that's kind of it's it's been a thing that we wanted to bring to london but what's love because we wanted it to have a bigger audience but actually what we've managed to do is give it a really good push within wales and then manage to attract funding to take it to other theater festivals and literature festivals for example um and grew that in our own way rather than like feeling oh, we've got to transfer it to london mm. to get like those international people to see it What's really exciting is I think now in the inverted commas regions, uh, or I guess like the non-metropolitan areas, mm. there is more scope now for work, especially, especially experimental work, mm. to go out and be seen by more people. And that's hard, like if you think mm. about that, a rural area, experimental work. <laughs> traditionally, you might think that won't work. But if you maybe market it in the right way, if you make it in the area sort of with with yes. the area in sight so it's personal to yeah them and not you know. just an imposition or yeah and not an this assumption. like thing from london yeah. that's toured because so much touring work comes to wales like all the time you know yeah. because we need to fill those theaters um it's really great that there's a lot of young or not even young but theater companies in mm. wales now making exciting new work and then as if you weren't <laughs> busy enough with all of that yeah. you are doing an ma in was it early, mod early modern drama? Is that the yeah, term for it? Yeah, I think it's like English and Shakespeare. Eng Shakespeare studies. That's a way more simple yeah. accessible yeah, way of phrasing it. it. MA in Shakespeare studies, yes, at King's MA. College. And it's sort of linked to the Globe as well. Am I, and maybe I've just made this up, but I, your, your area of interest is Welsh characters in Shakespeare. I guess it is now. Is it now? Because <laughs> I've just said it. Or is that actually what your no, thing because was? Because like... I suppose because I've been cast as Flewellyn in Henry V, I am yeah. actually quite interested in that. Yeah. And looking at, they're doing Merry Wives here, I think, I was hoping soon, that's got a character called Sir Hugh Evans in it. Yeah. And then part of the module on this MA mm -hmm. uh, was Global Local Shakespeare's, which is run by Professor Zonia Masai, who's really got a fascinating body of work um, researching uh, like global appropriations of Shakespeare and local appropriations of Shakespeare oh, and what right. that means. Yes, oh, wow. fascinating. Uh, all across the globe, mm -hmm. you know, um, and also different minorities within different countries, etc. Uh, so I thought I would look at um, what happened in Wales during the Olympic year. Right. You know that like crazy injection of like Shakespeare is God that we had in 2012? <laughs> the <laughs> there World was lots of Facebook, yeah, Oh my God, people went mad for it. And like what that meant, like was that almost a sort of colonial agency thing or actually was it just a celebration of but that's an interesting this idea, poet that yeah. anyone can access? Mm. Uh, yeah, so it's questions about that. Um, but I won't go into it now in much detail because yeah. it's probably a bit, a bit dry. <laughs> but no. interesting to see like what, yeah, how particularly Welsh language culture engages with Shakespeare. Yes, that's... Um, yeah. Because I, I, I was quite ignorant of... Shakespeare's relationship with Wales and the Welsh language and that mm. sort of thing um, so I was like googling it so we could have a chat and the, the things that are sort of that, that popped up I was like oh gosh I mean I've done that play I did a sort of a version of Cymbeline um, when I was at drama school and I had literally I didn't notice 
all of these um, references to places in Wales and this sort of thing. Mm. Um, and I knew I, I had I knew vaguely I vaguely knew Henry V, but getting to work on it and work on it with yourself in the room has been amazing, an amazing experience. And so I was like, I wonder how many other um, references are right there in place, but we don't talk about them. Mm. Um, oh my God, that made me jump so much. <laughs> what even was that? It just went away. Oh, I admitted it. That's Sorry. okay. Sorry for it's all right. Um, we've got to warm up in a minute, so yeah. this will be like the last thingy. Okay, yeah. uh, we've snuck this in just before a performance of Henry V. Um, <laughs> I know, right? Um, trying to squeeze it in. Um, yeah, so I was just like curious about how many references I might have missed. So I guess for other people who are interested in doing sort of a, a second take mm. at, at plays they think they know and seeing how how many um, Welsh references or characters that they can spot and um, yeah, fall in love with. Um, do you have like... I guess this is a terrible question. Do you have a favourite Welsh character? Because you're playing Flewellen, so it's hard to mm. not to not. I guess the character you're playing will always probably be the one you're a fan of. But I guess accepting what what you're doing now in the trilogy, um, are there other Welsh characters that that you want to give a shout out to for people to look out for in the Shakespearean canon? It's interesting because you have Sir Hugh Evans in Merry Wives, mm -hmm. and then you have. Uh, Mortimer's. Uh, oh yeah, uh, the lady sings lady, in Welsh. The lady sings, yeah, <laughs> which is like for people daughter. who don't know, in in Henry the Fourth Part One. Yeah, I hope it's that. Yeah, they're all sort of mixing up in my brain at the moment. Yes, but it is. Part is Part One. Yeah. One, um, one uh, an English speaking character is married to a Welsh lady who doesn't speak English, and he mm. doesn't speak Welsh. And there's a sweet moment where she sings in Welsh, but they can't really communicate. But they're in love, and it's all lovely. Yeah. And Shakespeare just <laughs> wrote the lady speaks in Welsh rather than actually writing Welsh. Like he does in, in yeah. your scenes with French, he's actually written that out, hasn't Yes. He? So people have posited the idea that maybe there was a Welsh speaker or a couple of Welsh speakers within the cast. Right, who would have maybe themselves... Maybe a younger boy who then would have played the, yeah. the female role, who would have spoken Welsh. Mm -hmm. Or that it was like sort of silly Welsh, you know, like <laughs> gobbledygook. We, we won't Welsh. know. Who knows? But yeah. it's not a very comedic scene. It's no. quite sort of... Or is often done quite sort of heartbreakingly because it's about a man going off to war and she's singing, you know, uh, it will, she doesn't want him to leave, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, and then there are other characters like Flewellyn who's sort of written in an accent, like his bees are turned into peas yes. in the text. Uh, and he's from Monmouth. Uh, and then Sir Hugh Evans, like I mentioned, Mary Wives. So there's like a, a little collection of them, but they tend to, I guess, be the funny characters, like Flewellyn and mm, Sir Hugh Evans this is in true. a way. Um, or, or are often portrayed that way. And it's been interesting working so long on Henry V that actually you can hopefully try and find some depth mm -hmm. to the pride that he feels mm. about being Welsh, but also, you know, fighting for his majesty's army. Um, and, and I do think it's interesting to consider how the UK is shown in these plays. Um, you know, what people thought then about Wales, Scotland and yeah. Ireland. You know, you had the Irish Wars going on. Wales was part of, of England. Mm. It's sort of like a lot of people say it's the first and last colony of England. Mm. You know, it will be the last colony, I think. Um, 
and so and yeah and then Scotland's relationship like you've got people like the Douglas and actually we've cut people like uh, McMorris and Jamie mm. uh, who, who are the like UK counterparts in there um, so it is it's interesting to see you know and Shakespeare's grandmother we think was was Welsh and possibly his school teacher may have been Welsh although oh, there's scant yes, evidence about whether he actually went there or not yeah grandma Alice and the Latin teacher. <laughs> That's it. So, like, he may have had yeah. that influence. And I suppose, you know, we're known for being quite a poetic culture. Um, so there maybe would have been some of that influence. There's certainly, you know, Welsh was a language of the court, was a language of the clerks as well in that time. It was very... It was? Yeah, very oh, high wow, stated. I didn't you know, know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought it was, like, French and Latin maybe only and, or there something. There were many, many, but... yeah, people who worked down here and sort of had this split life between, like, the pubs in Wales and this very <laughs> sort of high courtly... Land here, you know, Henry the Seventh was from Wales, the Tudor kings, um, and so it's yeah, it's interesting how that sort of bleeds into it. Right. Is that why we have maybe maybe you don't know this, but is that why we have the tradition of having a Prince of Wales, and is is it something to do with being the heir to the throne, makes you the Prince of Wales? Yeah, maybe I'm will, making that up. That will happen with Edward the First, um, and I don't know quite enough about it, but he he conquered Wales basically and killed our last king in 1282 and he then decided that it was it needed a prince to to govern right i guess or to look over it and so then he nominated his son yeah his firstborn and there's that brilliant um i don't know if this is true it's probably through years of mythology and myth making like we've discussed mm. which my piece touches on quite a bit uh there's this thing where he talks with some of the lords of wales you know who ran little fiefdoms or whatever you know once it was clear that Wales was on its knees and said will you accept a prince a ruler who speaks no English and they all said oh brilliant yeah of course maybe thinking that one of themselves would be advanced and what he did the king was Edward I this is he got his newborn baby who could only gargle and bubble no. and said well here he is he speaks no English. Oh, that's course, so smarmy and annoying. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so I know. annoying. It's very bloody, those battles, and very, um, yeah, it's very interesting, our relationship. I mean, I suppose because it was so long ago, like, we don't really think about mm. what that history is. Um, but actually, it was very bloody, very brutal, and, um, yeah, you know, I suppose, that, yeah, the nation was colonised in that way. Mm. I'm like, that's such a dark place to end, yeah, and there's yeah, so much more to say. Because I'm like, yes, my, like, Shakespeare and its... Partially, partial knowledge of history. <laughs> no, but um, it's, it's great to hear and great to talk about. Yeah. Because I feel one thing about um, being someone who often goes into space and feels like, oh, this is a place that is, wasn't sort of set up with anyone ever thinking I would be here, or this play was written never thinking someone who looks like me would play it, mm. or has my some of my cultural background sort of that I would ever engage with it is that then there are things that arise that you can't talk about mm, okay you know so it's I, I think it's it's really interesting that you you're saying yeah there is this whole colonial history and it's quite bloody mm. between England and Wales and we've we sort of have not we don't always get a chance to talk about it sort of yeah. thing I completely relate to that from my ancestry from other countries that were colonies and stuff like that and how it then when I go and look at a piece it's like I can't help but that be a part of my makeup and that that's a part of 
you know, the material as an artist that I come to it with, mm, whether I mm. like it or not. Yeah. Yeah, we all take our backgrounds, don't we, and our yeah. heritage with us. And it's interesting whether, like, sometimes you can talk about that and sometimes you can't for various reasons. Yeah. In different various groups as well. Yeah. It depends who you're working with and what mm. kind of content you're dealing with, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and even stuff like in our lives, you know, that we, that we deal with um, and that we talk, like everyone, you know, it's interesting that, I guess, one of the good things about theatre is if you're in a really fruitful room making work, devising, doing a play, is that you can talk about those things in mm. a safe space. Yeah. Um, and that going to watch theatre or, you know, theatre should be able to unpack these ideas and, and talk about them and mm. get them out in the open, I guess. Mm. Whatever we want to talk about. Yeah. Um, it's so important to keep that dialogue going. Yes. In our 100%. age of sort of outrage and our age of closing things down. Mm. Mm. That's a bit more positive. It is a bit end, more positive. <laughs> but I do feel like it's important to like say what's on you know, what's on your mind and what you feel and yeah. and yeah, the whole idea I guess behind this is to to create a space that will continue to do on stage and screen with the work, but also to mm. just provide almost like an antechamber for that main space of work where yeah. conversations like this can continue. Um, mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. It's a great thing, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, bravo. You've been a really great guest. I'm so thank oh. I'm so thankful that you, you said you'd do this. It's been really um, exciting oh, been to have you and hear all about the things you're doing. Um, we could stay in chat forever, but we have to go and warm up now and do jig call. Yes, um, let's do it. Which is a, a, a beautiful globe quirk, as far as I know. I don't know anywhere else that has a jig. No. Like, we, I don't know. I don't want to assume too much knowledge, so forgive me if you do know, but at the Globe, um, every show, or the vast majority of shows, end with like a little song and a dance. That's kind of a way of going, yay, we did the play. And just before you leave, here's a little palette cleanser of hopefully euphoria and fun, yeah. which is especially needed, I think, with like tragedies and whatever, but sort of every play kind of has one. Yeah. And so we run the jig before we do the show and sort of before we warm up our voices or whatever, we, yeah. we have a little boogie. And yeah, we gotta go do that now. Yeah, <laughs> gonna go boogie. Yeah, so yeah, thank you once again. Pleasure, and thank you, <laughs> you, for listening. And best of luck with the next iteration of mm. your work with Invertigo. Where can people find Invertigo? What's your like social media or like On Twitter, we're at Invertigo Co. Our website is invertigotheatre.co.uk. And I think on Facebook, we're forward slash Invertigo Theatre. Amazing. And what's your, your um, do you do your personal media? Oh, what's yeah. Your, yes, what's your personal? Steph, S-T-E-F-F, -F, underscore Donnelly, D-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y. On all of them? On Just on Twitter. On Twitter. Oh, and then I think on Instagram, like Stefan.Donnelly. <laughs> So I think I've done Somewhere, They'll find you at Twitter and then they can yeah, go elsewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm somewhere there. Awesome. Okay. Right. Amazing. Thank Bye. you. Bye. <laughs>
Um, if you think there's anyone out there who would get a lot of value from this episode, it'd be really cool if you shared it with them. Um, yeah, apart from that, see you next month.